This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, May 25th, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. The former governor of Minnesota, Tim Pawlenty, visited the Cato Institute today to talk about federal spending and how to get control of it. Pawlenty discussed his own experience as a governor dealing with public sector workers, their benefits, and their unions. Our federal government is sinking in deficit and debt. Our economy is sputtering. The main pathway forward for most Americans in terms of their opportunity and their well-being is a job. So I want to focus on that, and I also want to focus today on what it's going to take to get the federal government better under control, including the benefits and salaries of the people who are working the federal bureaucracy. Our federal government, in rough terms, takes in about $2.2 trillion a year. And in terms of total federal outlays, they uh, put out about $3.7 trillion in spending. So think about that. 2.2 roughly in the door, 3.7 out the door. Uh, they're overspending by about $1.5 trillion this year. Roughly 40 cents of every dollar the federal government spends is a debt dollar, a deficit dollar. That You can't run your families like that. You can't run your businesses like that. And we certainly can't run the government like that. We can't do that anymore. And there can't be any more sacred cows. So in Iowa, we have to look at the good people of Iowa and the folks who are involved in agriculture and otherwise involved in the ethanol industry and say, because of this crushing debt and deficit load, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to phase out the ethanol subsidies that the federal government's been uh, providing. We're going to have to say to the seniors in Florida and all over America, uh, but real more and more specifically, the next generation and the young people, we're going to have to change the Social Security program, but we're going to do that in a way that doesn't affect the benefits for current retirees or anywhere uh, close to that. So we're going to have to look people in the eye and say, you know what, it's time. If you're new to the workforce, uh, for you, we're going to gradually raise the retirement age over time. We have to. Uh, it won't affect, again, anybody currently on the program or near it, but it will have to raise the retirement age uh, gradually over time. I don't like means testing philosophically. Uh, but we're at the point where we're choosing between suboptimal choices. And one of the choices we have to say is we're going to means test uh, the cost of living adjustment in Social Security. So if you're wealthy, you're not going to get that cost of living adjustment going forward. But if you're middle income or lower income, you will. Uh, as, and there are similar solutions for Medicaid and Medicare. Uh, we also have to go to our uh, other so-called sacred cows. And just by way of a couple more examples, one is Wall Street and the financial services industry and the larger industries all across this country. And to the extent that they're getting subsidies, directly or indirectly, those have to be shut off as well as part of a larger reform. And we have to look to Wall Street and say, look at uh, the carve-outs, the bailouts, the subsidies, the handouts uh, for you are over as well. And the list goes on and on and on. But the bottom line is there can be no more ducking, bobbing, and weaving about the real problem the magnitude of it, and what it's going to take uh, to fix it. Now, as it relates to federal spending more broadly, uh, there's one part I want to camp on today in particular, and that is how we deal with federal employees. Uh, and, of course, big government and big unions have coalesced in ways that are not good for the country and not good for the taxpayers. The people who work in government, in most cases, are hardworking, good people. We don't mean to uh, bash them personally, but the system that they work in is really out of control. It needs to be reformed. It needs to be restrained. And so we know that the people used to be drawn to public employment. And you'd often hear, not long ago, people say, well, I'm a public employee. You know, I don't get paid as much as the private sector, but they have really good benefits. And it was kind of a trade-off. And people were drawn to public service with that stated kind of swap in mind. But if you fast forward to today, what we unquestionably know 
is that in many cases public employees are both overpaid and overbenefited compared to, in many cases, compared to their private sector counterparts. And that's just not fair. We can't have the people who are getting paid by the taxpayers getting a better deal than the taxpayers themselves. And these things have to be uh, reconciled. So in Minnesota, we did a number of things. And the topic here is kind of lessons learned along the way. But we need to do the basic things first. And that is no better deal for the people uh, who are getting the benefits and the pay than the people who are paying the bill. So first thing we have to do is freeze, continue to freeze the salary of federal employees, and in my view, public employees more broadly, until, uh, if, uh, until they're the same or no greater than the private sector employees. In other words, uh, there's a temporary freeze, and I froze salaries when I was the governor of the state of Minnesota as well, but unless and until uh, the differential to the positive for public employees is brought down or the private sector meet, uh, meets up with that, we have to continue to freeze public employee salaries. There's no question about that. And we can't just measure this in the value of the salary only. There's a current federal system and other similar systems at the state level where people make comparisons and say, well, look, if you just look at the salary or the cost of living adjustments, then they'll make the argument that public employees really aren't overpaid compared to private sector counterparts. But keep in mind a number of things. We have to look at the total package, both salary and benefits added together. And you can't just look at the annual cost of living adjustment. We have to look at the so-called longevity or seniority steps that public employees get as they advance in the seniority of their career. And then importantly, we also have to look at their benefits. As you know, most public employees have what's called a defined benefit pension program. Most people in the private sector don't have that anymore, particularly new employees entering into the workforce. And in many cases, public employees not only have a defined uh, benefit plan, which guarantees a result without regard to how the stock market's do doing or the underlying investments are doing, but in many cases, they also have the defined contribution program, which we have, or most people in the private sector have, and they also get, in many cases, a, a match, so they get both. Now, the point of all that is, is we're going to have to transition the public employee workforce from a defined co a benefit contribution plan to what most of the private sector gets, which is a uh, defined uh, contribution plan instead of a defined benefit plan. And those things have to be synchronized, and they have to be changed in reform, and that's something that's just going to have to go forward. Now, how to do that? In Minnesota, I took one of the longest transit strikes in the history of the country. The bus drivers in my state wanted to work just 15 years. In fact, they had this benefit, and then they wanted to be able to retire and then be eligible for the government to pay for their health insurance for the rest of their life. There was a major unfunded liability. Of course, it was financially upside down. And when their contract came up for renewal, I said, we're not doing that anymore. We can't. It's bankrupting the, the transit system. And they said, yes, we are, Governor. And by the way, if you don't, you know, you're gonna, we're going to shut down the transit system. You're going to have gridlock, and you'll be begging us to take our deal in a week into that strike. So they went out on strike, and I went around the state of Minnesota, and I asked people, if you're not in government, please raise your hand if you get to work just 15 years and then retire and then be eligible for somebody else to pay for your health insurance for the rest of your life. And no hands ever went up. I said, do you know that the bus drivers get that? They do? Do you know that you're paying for that? We are? Do you think we should do something about that? Heck yeah. By the end of that kind of interaction, of course, the public, then knowing that they weren't getting the same kind of deal and they're paying the bill for it, more than happy to change. And that bus system was shut down for 44 days. 
And in the end, the bus drivers came back and we shut off that benefit for new hires and the finances of that system began to correct themselves. Now, I share that story with you as just one case study of how you have to do these things. These are powerful interests. They are deeply ingrained. They incredibly hang on to the status quo with a white-knuckle grip. Uh, and we're going to have to have an equal amount of fortitude and vigor to draw some lines in the sand to get them changed. Now, we also did pension and, uh, reform in Minnesota before it was cool and popular. So uh, uh, back in 2010, there's a number of examples of this, but most recently signed a bill that reduced the increases in uh, public employee pensions over time to get them back towards actuarial soundness. And that means they had to contribute more as employees. It means if they weren't in very good financial shape, their projected increases in benefits would uh, be decreasing over time or be held flat, in some cases potentially down to zero percent increases. And now we have them on a better path towards solvency. And uh, that was done with the unions, by the way, in a cooperative change because they so didn't want defined contribution that they were willing to take a haircut on continuing defined benefit. Uh, and we made this as an interim step to get the thing on a better path. But now we got sued over it by the retirees, so it's pending in court. But it's an important uh, reform going forward. Next, we're going to have to also shrink the federal workforce. It has been growing uh, dramatically over many decades. And we now have about 40% of the federal workforce scheduled for retirement in the not-too-distant future. Through attrition, we can have a goal, and I think it's an appropriate goal, of replacing only one of those workers for each two that retire. And government, as you know, has a lot of work to do in terms of getting on the front end of technology, getting on the front end of efficiency, and improving these systems in a way that involve uh, the demand for fewer employees but still provide the service in a robust way. Tim Pawlenty is the former governor of Minnesota. He spoke at the Cato Institute earlier today. You can watch the full event at Cato.org.